Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, June 1st. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there. But there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shalak Leka, and it means, Send for Yourself. Numbers 14, 1-15 The whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. All the Israelites railed against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, the whole community shouted at them, or if only we might die in this wilderness. Why is Hashem taking us to the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be carried off. It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. And they said to one another, Let us head back for Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembled congregation of the Israelites, and Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, of those who had scattered the land, tore their clothes. And they exhorted the whole Israelite community. The land that we traversed and scouted is an exceedingly good land. If Hashem is pleased with us, He will bring bring us into that land, a land that flows with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only you must not rebel against Hashem. Have no fear, then, of the people of the country, for they are our prey. Their protection has departed from them, but Hashem is with us. Have no fear of them. As the whole community threatened to pelt them with stones, the presence of Hashem appeared in the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And Hashem said to Moses, How long will this 
people spurn me, and how long will they have no faith in me, despite all the signs that I have performed in their midst? I will strike them with pestilence and disown them, and I will make of you a nation far more numerous than they. But Moses said to Hashem, When the Egyptians from whose midst you brought up this people in your might hear the news, they will tell it to the inhabitants of that land. Now they have heard that you, Hashem, are in the midst of this people, that you, Hashem, appear in plain sight when your cloud rests over them, and when you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. If then you slay this people to a man, the nations who have heard your fame will say, It must be because Hashem was powerless to bring that people into the land he had promised them on oath that he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Second Samuel eighteen one to nineteen ten. David mustered the troops who were with him and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. David sent out the troops, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruiah, and one-third under the command of Ittai the Gittite. And David said to the troops, I myself will march out with you. But the troops replied, No, for if some of us flee, the rest will not be concerned about us. Even if half of us should die, the others will not be concerned about us. But you are worth ten thousand of us. Therefore, it is better for you to support us from the town. And the king said to them, I will do whatever you think best. So the king stood beside the gate as all the troops marched out by their hundreds and thousands. The king gave orders to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, Deal gently with my boy Absalom for my sake. All the troops heard the king give the order about Absalom to all the officers. The troops marched out into the open to confront the Israelites, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. The Israelite troops were routed by David's followers, and a great slaughter took place there that day. 20,000 men. The battle spread out over that whole region, and the forest devoured more troops that day than the sword. Absalom encountered some of David's followers. Absalom was riding on a mule, and as the mule passed under the tangled branches of a great terebinth tree, his hair got caught in the terebinth. He was held between heaven and earth as the mule under him kept going. One of the men saw it and told Joab, I have just seen Absalom hanging from a terebinth tree. Joab said to the man who told him, You saw it. Why didn't you kill him then and there? I would have owed you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man answered Joab, Even if I had a thousand shekels of silver in my hands, I would not raise a hand against the king's son. For the king charged you and Abishai and Ittai in our hearing. Watch over my boy Absalom for my sake. If I betrayed myself and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have stood aloof. 
Joab replied, Then I will not wait for you. He took three darts in his hand and drove them into Absalom's chest. Absalom was still alive in the thick grove of the terebinth when ten of Joab's young arms-bearers closed in and struck Absalom until he died. Then Joab sounded the horn, and the troops gave up their pursuit of the Israelites, for Joab held the troops in check. They took Absalom and flung him into a large pit in the forest, and they piled up a very great heap of stones over it. Then all the Israelites fled to their homes. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken the pillar which is in the valley of the king and set it up for himself. He said, I have no son to keep my name alive. He had named the pillar after himself, and it has been called Absalom's monument to this day. Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, said, Let me run and report to the king that Hashem has vindicated him against his enemies. But Joab said to him, You shall not be the one to bring tidings today. You may bring tidings some other day, but you'll not bring any today, for the king's son is dead. And Joab said to a Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed to Joab and ran off. But Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, No matter what, let me run too behind the Cushite. Joab asked, Why should you run, my boy, when you have no news worth telling? I am going to run anyway. Then run, he said. So Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain, and he passed the Cushite. David was sitting between the two gates. The watchman on the roof of the gate walked over to the city wall. He looked up and saw a man running alone. The watchman called down and told the king, and the king said, If he is alone, he has news to report. As he was coming near, the watchman saw another man running, and he called out to the gatekeeper, There is another man running alone. And the king said, That one too brings news. The watchman said, I can see that the first one runs like Ahima, son of Zadok, to which the king replied, He is a good man, and he comes with good news. Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, All is well. He bowed low with his face to the ground and said, Praised be Hashem your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. The king asked, Is my boy Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, I saw a large crowd when your majesty's servant Joah was sending your servant off, but I don't know what it was about. The king said, Step aside and stand over there. He stepped aside and waited. Just then the Cushite came up, and the Cushite said, Let my lord the king be informed that Hashem has vindicated you today against all who rebelled against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is my boy Absalom safe? And the Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rose against you to do you harm fare like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the upper chamber of the gateway and wept, moaning these words as he went, O my son, Absalom, O my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Joab was told that the king was weeping and mourning over Absalom, 
and the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the troops. For that day the troops heard that the king was grieving over his son. The troops stole into town that day like troops, ashamed after running away in battle. The king covered his face, and the king kept crying aloud, O my son, Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Joab came to the king in his quarters and said, Today you have humiliated all your followers, who this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, and the lives of your wives and concubines, by showing love for those who hate you, and hate for those who love you. For you have made clear today that the officers and men mean nothing to you. I am sure if Absalom were alive today and the rest of us dead, you would have preferred it. Now arise, come out and placate your followers. For I swear by Hashem that if you do not come out, not a single man will remain with you overnight. And that would be a greater disaster for you than any disaster that has befallen you from your youth until now. So the king arose and sat down in the gateway. And when all the troops were told that the king was sitting in the gateway, all the troops presented themselves to the king. Now the Israelites had fled to their homes. All the people throughout the tribes of Israel were arguing. Some said, The king saved us from the hands of our enemies, and he delivered us from the hands of the Philistines. And just now he had to flee the country because of Absalom. John 20, 1-31 The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, to the sepulchre, and saw the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Yeshua loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then came Simon Peter following him, and he went into the sepulchre and saw the linen clothes lying, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. But Mary stood outside at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and she saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Yeshua had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why do you weep? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have lain him. And when she had thus said, 
she turned herself back and saw Yeshua standing, and she knew not that it was Yeshua. Yeshua said to her, Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have lain him, and I will take him away. Yeshua said to her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Yeshua said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Yeshua and stood in the midst, and said to them, Peace be to you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Yeshua to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Yeshua came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Yeshua, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither your finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither your hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Yeshua said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Yeshua in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Yeshua is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Psalm 119, 153-176 Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your Torah. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to your judgments. 
Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet do I not decline from your testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved, because they kept not your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. Your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one that finds great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but your Torah do I love. Seven times a day do I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love your Torah, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for your salvation and done your commandments. My soul has kept your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come near before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise when you have taught me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I have longed for your salvation, O Lord, and your Torah is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Proverbs 16, 14 and 15 The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. I want to speak to you today from 2 Samuel 18 and 19. And in these two chapters, we are following along with the unfolding story of how David's men, the king's men, go out after Absalom. And Absalom has raised up a huge rebellion against David and turned the hearts of the people against him. David had to flee Jerusalem. So now there's a battle raging, and David has instructed the uh, commanding officer, uh, deal gently with my boy Absalom for my sake. All the troops heard the king give this order about Absalom to all the officers. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse, and that was chapter 18, verse 5, it reads as follows, King David orders that his rebellious son Absalom be captured unharmed. On the surface this seems shocking, as Absalom was attempting to kill his father. Rabbi Shlomo Aviner notes that throughout David's struggles, he retains his attribute of mercy. Thus, though he has no intention 
of surrendering to King Saul, who wants to kill him. David nevertheless respects him. Similarly, he also still loves his son Absalom, though Absalom wants to murder him. The sages consider the attribute of mercy to be one of the hallmarks of the children of Israel. Failing to act with mercy is cause for punishment and even exile from the land of Israel, as it says in Hosea 4, 1-3, because there is no honesty and no goodness and no obedience to Hashem in the land. For that the earth is withered. Um... I have a different perspective on this than what is shared from the Israel Bible Commentary. And let's just read on and then I'll make my comment. And in chapter 19, um, King David has been informed that his son is dead. Absalom's hair was caught up in the branches of the terebinth tree. And then they came along and finished him off. And so now he knows that his son is dead and he's weeping and mourning and crying. And, you know, it's really disheartening to his soldiers that he's mourning over his son, the son who tried to kill him and take over the throne, the son who laid with all of his concubines in plain view of all of Israel, right on the rooftop. So Joab comes to David and confronts him and speak some words of truth. So in chapter 19, verse 6 and 7, it is written, Joab came to the king in his quarters and said, Today you have humiliated all your followers, who this day saved your life, and the lives of your sons and daughters, and the lives of your wives and concubines, by showing love for those who hate you, and hate for those who love you. For you have made clear today that the officers and men mean nothing to you. I am sure that if Absalom were alive today and the rest of us dead, you would have preferred it. Now, there is a dynamic or a principle that goes on with often women who are in abusive relationships. And they will stay in that abusive relationship with a boyfriend or a husband, whether it's emotional abuse, which is sometimes the worst, or even physical abuse with bruises and broken bones and physical violence. They will leave and then return and go back. And then they will leave and then return and go back. And their circle of loved ones watching this can't understand why does she keep returning she goes back for more abuse and it's so frustrating and it's like it's it's so frustrating because it's like you're seeing someone you love self-destructing and it's because they love the person who hates them and they hate those who love them exactly what David was going through. And how come this goes on? Why? For the abused woman, it's often because she has extremely low self-esteem. She does not love herself. And she believes that she deserves to be treated this way. 
She doesn't believe that she's worthy to be loved in a healthy way. And I would propose to you that I think that in some ways David had that syndrome going on. Consider it. He was abused as a young man. He was being sought after by Saul, and Saul wanted to kill him. Saul almost pinned him to a wall with a a spear, and he was running away for his life from King Saul. Now, in the case of Saul, yes, perhaps he was showing mercy and not taking matters into his own hands and allowing God to deal with this situation with Saul. But here with Absalom, this was David's weak spot. It was his weakness. He allowed Absalom to live. He probably should have been put to death for what he did to, um, you know, murder the guy who killed Tamar or who raped Tamar, the sister, or been put into exile and never allowed to return home. But instead, he returned allowed him to return home, and then just didn't speak to him. So then he turned all the hearts of the people against him. There was something very broken in the relationship between David and Absalom. And David was blinded, and he was showing tremendous weakness. There's times when we must show tough love to our children and correct them and discipline them, especially you know, our adult children, when, when something is really out of line, we have to show tough love. David never did that. It was too much mercy and no discipline, no correction. And so because it was all mercy and no correction, it got out of hand. And that's the balance, is that parents, there are times when we're to show mercy, and there are other times when we have to show tough love and give some kind of correction or discipline. And David failed to correct his son or discipline him. So let me read the Israel Bible commentary to verse 6, when Joab comes to the king and says, Today you have humiliated all the followers who this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Joab is upset that King David mourned his rebellious son, Absalom. Joab had killed Absalom, though King David had commanded that he be captured unharmed. King David is extremely angry that Joab has disobeyed him. Rabbi Shlomo Aviner points out that in Jewish law, any act of disobedience to the king can be punished by death. However, King David is more concerned with ensuring that the kingdom of Israel remains secure and strong, and thus he needs Joab to remain as his leading general. However, before his death, King David instructs his son Solomon to punish Joab for having killed Abner, Amasa, and, according to Radok, Absalom. Solomon tries Joab for the murders and convicts him of violating the will of the king, an act which itself is a danger to the people of Israel. Obeying the dictates of just rulers and governments is itself a religious act, as it allows for a strong, cohesive, and just nation. 
Heavenly Father, I pray now that each one of us would take stock and take a look at our relationships and see, examine if there are any relationships that are dysfunctional, broken, unhealthy. If we are loving someone who hates us or hating those who love us, I pray that you will reveal that to us by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will make adjustments, that you will renew our mind and our thoughts so that we come into alignment with your word and with your truth and with Yeshua. I pray that if any listening are in a any kind of an abusive relationship, that you would set them free, that they would be protected, that they would uh, be released out of the relationship, and that you would bring healing to them. Oh, Father, may we not have blind spots and fail to correct our children when they are out of line. Father, please protect your remnant people from those who would abuse, from those who would be as predators. Please protect your people Bless them and love them. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.